Well, hey there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of the A Wife Like Me podcast. I'm your host and friend, Amanda Davison, and I'm super pumped that you are here. We are kicking off a series today on infidelity and betrayal. And even if you have not experienced this in your marriage, I pray, we ask that you would listen to each of these episodes coming up because you likely someday, if you have not yet, had people in your life who you love dearly walk through betrayal or infidelity in their marriage, you probably will someday. And when that unfortunately happens, we want you to be able to provide them with biblical guidance, not not any guidance that's going to cause further harm or damage. And we want you to remember this series so that you can point those couples to this series. We are going to be interviewing so many different counselors and women who have walked through their own stories, situations of betrayal and infidelity. We're going to get many different perspectives on this topic so that we can sort of walk away with an understanding of how to be able to, again, navigate this in a way that actually brings full restoration when and if that is possible, which it is possible, which you're going to hear more about. So we are opening up this series with me. I'm going to just share a few of my insights, five insights that I have taken away from countless marriages that I sit across from every single day who have walked through betrayal and infidelity. There are so many things I could say on the topic, but I've narrowed it down to sort of five five big things, key things that couples um, kind of necessarily maybe don't even understand when they find themselves in this situation. So I want to leave you with these five truths uh, regarding betrayal and infidelity in marriage. And then again, stick around each week. We're going to be diving into this topic with Christian counselors and women with their own stories of betrayal and infidelity. All right, you ready? Okay, the first thing I know to be true about betrayal and infidelity is that any breach of trust is betrayal. Any breach of trust is betrayal. That could be infidelity or it could be something very different. I've sat across couples where one spouse is so confused and upset as to why this, you know, I'm doing air quotes, little thing is so devastating to the spouse. You know, um, maybe it was that the spouse swore they'd never have a cigarette again, but they did. And later the other spouse found out about it. Maybe it's that they said they were done drinking coffee and they find out that they've been drinking coffee for a few months and didn't want to tell them about it. It doesn't matter what type of betrayal it is. Any breach of trust is betrayal. And when you think about it, It's so devastating. Again, doesn't matter what type of betrayal it is. It's devastating because intimacy in marriage actually is trust. Trust equals intimacy. So whenever there has been a breach of trust, it feels so 
almost, it's not impossible, but it feels like how could we ever experience an intimate connection because the breach of trust has taken place. And so it's devastating no matter what it is. Okay. So I want to encourage anyone, if you yourself again, or anyone you know and love has experienced any type of breach of trust, that matters because that's a betrayal. Doesn't matter how big or small, any breach of trust is betrayal. Okay. Next, damage must be properly dealt with. Once there's been a betrayal, any type of breach of trust, the damage that's been done must be properly dealt with. Here's what happens often is a couple will come to me months after there's been a breach of trust or even years after there's been a breach of trust and they're still stuck on the betrayal. And that's because they have not, they did not at the time that the betrayal was exposed, they didn't properly deal with it. So they haven't been able to move into a season of restoration. So what happens after there's been a betrayal, it should happen, has to happen for there to be restoration is that it has to be properly dealt with. The damage that was done has to be dealt with. How do we do that in marriage? Before a couple can move into a season of repair, there has to be two things. Okay. So often again, especially the betrayer so often wants to do is just move on. They just want to be done with this. They maybe acknowledge what happened, but they don't want to talk about it anymore because they don't, they're not proud of it or they're embarrassed by it. They just want to move forward. They want to be moving into a season of like, let's just be done. I don't want to talk about this, right? But what, what we have to wrap our minds around as married Christian couples is we can't do that unless we've properly dealt with the harm, the damage, the losses that have come with the betray that has taken place. Okay. So how do we do that? First, the betrayed. So the person that's been betrayed and the betrayer have to both first fully acknowledge the damage. They have to fully acknowledge the damage. They have to literally name it. If you think of this, I used to work for an insurance company and whenever there was any type of damage done to a house, there's, there was a house fire, there was an explosion, there was a hail damage, right? Something, a, a house was damaged in some way. Before you can repair the, what's been damaged, you have to assess it. You have to go and you have to send an adjuster into the house. And you have to look at every single piece of sheetrock, of shingles, of the flooring, like whatever, every single thing. And you have to go into every single area of the home to ensure there has not been damage done in those places. That matters because if you did not do that, Years later, you're going to open a closet door or you're going to move the fridge or go up on the roof to 
put some satellite on there or something. I'm making stuff up, but I'm trying to think of things. You're going to later see like, oh, oh, I had no idea that that was damage. For example, a, a couple might, if what happens often is a couple does not do this well. And then later they are very insecure when the betrayer goes to a work meeting, let's say, out of town. And there's a huge argument because the betrayed is having a difficult time with a betrayer, you know, going off on this work meeting. And what ha- what's going on is they didn't fully work through the pain, the damage, the fear, the insecurity that that betrayal exposed. And because they didn't fully work through it, they weren't able to fully repair it. So they don't have systems in place and tools in place to ensure that both the betrayed and the betrayer feel confident in these situations in the future. Okay, so there has to be full acknowledgement of the damage done by both the betrayed and the betrayer. Often, again, that looks like actually naming, writing out what has been lost because of the betrayal or damaged because of the betrayal. Perhaps it's that you, this is, this has damaged the relationship with the kids. Um, this is, you know, maybe there was a biblical separation in hopes for restoration, which, you know, removed the, the wife or the husband from the home for months. It has damaged that relationship. It is it has maybe in many cases um, made it difficult in the community. It's changed relationships in the community because of the betrayal. Um, it's changed relationships with in-laws or, you know, all these different types of relationships. It's changed maybe works. Maybe, maybe somebody lost their job. Maybe uh, their family business changed. There's so many things that can change and not in a good way because of the betrayal. In both the spouses, both spouses have to fully acknowledge all that's been lost. It doesn't mean it can't be rebuilt, but that there is damage done that's been done, right? And so there has to be, I see that. I see that as painful as it is, I see the damage, okay? Then the next thing that in, in order for damage to be properly dealt with, both, both spouses then have to experience godly repentance shown by the betrayer. Okay, so the betrayed has to experience godly repentance from the betrayer. Oftentimes this does not happen um, or it doesn't happen in the way that fully communicates to the betrayed that there has been godly repentance. There, there perhaps sometimes is godly repentance on the part of the betrayer, the one who has done the damage but it just hasn't been communicated or shown in a way to the betrayed that allows for them to be able to move into a season of repair. So there has to be that godly repentance shown. And if there isn't, they're just, again, a couple will not be able to move into a season of repair, right? They have to acknowledge and show godly repentance for the damage that's been done. I want to say that this often takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time for the betrayed to 
adequately and fully name the losses, the damage that's been done. It's layers, right? It's layers. And that takes time to process as the betrayed spouse. And then at that point, then for the betrayer to fully look at all of that damage and own it, sometimes that's a process. It doesn't happen in a day. Okay. And it often happens with the guidance of godly counsel, a Christian counselor, counselors within your church, things of that nature. It takes time. Okay. But you can't repair until those two things take place, until there has been, again, acknowledgement and godly repentance. Okay. So the damage must be properly dealt with. Then the third thing I want to say is that once this occurs, then the couple can finally move into a season of repair. And repair also takes time because repair looks different for every single couple depending on what the betrayal looked like. For some couples, based on their past and their experiences growing up, it might be that there are just very simple things that that betrayer needs uh, for there to be repair. Or there might be many different things based on the betrayed's uh, past experiences that need to take place in order for there to be full repair. The point is, is there are many things that that, that might look like. And, and again, highly suggest a Christian counselor help a couple walk through this process. <laughs> Because, because trust has been broken, the repair takes time and it takes consistent changed behavior. Okay, which brings us to our next point. Because betrayal or infidelity is a breach of trust, couples cannot expect trust to be automatically restored. The process of repair, I think of it as a season, just like if there was a huge pipe that burst in your house or a fire, you can't come in and overnight have it be fixed. It takes time. Trust takes time and consistent changed behavior to be rebuilt. Oftentimes, oftentimes, once the betrayed has just like we said a minute ago, acknowledged and shown godly repentance, godly sorrow for their actions. They just wanted to go back to how it was, right? I just, like, just try, why can't you just trust me? I was sorry. I told you I didn't mean to do that. I didn't want to do that. It happened. I wish it wouldn't have happened. Why can't, why can't it just be like how it used to be? Well, it can't yet because think of it like a credit score. Our amazing friend, Heather Seawin, who is a Christian counselor down in California. She equates this like a credit score. You know, based on the type of betrayal that happened, it can bring a spouse's credit score way down or a little bit down based on what has been, what has taken place, right? And if the credit score is way down because there has been, let's say, infidelity, it does not go up overnight. That credit score, it takes consistent changed behavior to move that credit score slowly back up to where it once was. 
And so this repair season takes time to be rebuilt and trust is rebuilt by consistent, repeated, changed behavior. And so there are tools, there are things that a spouse can, spouses can put in place to, to rebuild that and repair that trust. And again, a Christian counselor can help you through that process. It might be uh, shared, shared access to phones. Um, well, there should always be shared and open access to phones, but that um, at the end of the day, a spouse looks through the phone um, or they share things with a spouse. Maybe they have shared email, uh, uh, you know, there's so many things that I can't even think of so many more right now, but there's so many things that, that spouses can put in place um, to, to check in and to ensure that the betrayed feels like there has been consistent change behavior. And often a spouse will get frustrated. The betrayer will get frustrated that they have to do that. But then I would suggest that it really isn't godly sorrow because if it is godly sorrow, they will understand that this season of repair, that they're willing to do anything to repair it, that this season won't last forever of trust being rebuilt, but this season does need to take place for that credit score to be built back up, to get back to a place they once were. A note on this, if the betrayer has done everything possible to show proven changed behavior over an extended period of time and the betrayed still doesn't trust the betrayer there's something deeper going on it might be that the betrayed has prior uh, experiences of abandonment or betrayal and they just can't get over it um but sometimes we do see this in the in the counseling realm where the betrayer has done literally everything possible. It's been, let's say, a year or two or whatever, and an extended period of time where they have done nothing to, to show that trust has been breached in any way, shape, or form, but the betrayed cannot allow themselves to trust again. That just requires counseling because that is not then the betrayer's situation to deal with. It's the betrayed. There's something there that's preventing the betrayed from being able to move forward in trust again. And finally, the fifth thing I want to say that I know to be true about betrayal and infidelity is that restoration is possible. If you, if both, but it's only possible if both spouses are willing to do whatever it takes to restore the marriage. But restoration is possible. It is not possible, however, true restoration, true health in a marriage is not going to be possible if only one spouse is willing. Both spouses must be fully invested in whatever it takes to restore the marriage for the marriage to be restored. One spouse cannot do it. One spouse will not be able to restore what has been damaged. On their own. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It is possible, friend. It is so possible. I see it 
every single day. Marriages are being restored, but both spouses have to get there. And friend, if your spouse is not yet there, if your spouse is not yet willing to restore your marriage, to restore what's been broken, we're praying with you and we're believing with you that they will get there. It takes time often too for a spouse to to be ready to do whatever it takes to make the marriage restored. But it is possible. It is so possible. And God is so in the business of redeeming and restoring what has been damaged and broken. And I see it every single day that marriages come out on the other end of betrayal stronger than ever before. So Jesus, we just invite you into these spaces that we are right now. Lord, you know every single marriage, every single situation that spouses are in right now. You know the the marriage of the woman listening or the man listening to this episode. And Lord, you know exactly what their heart has been through. You know their struggle. You know the ones of their family, friends, how they are struggling with betrayal. And you know exactly what is needed for those couples to move forward. And Lord, we just pray that that would happen in Jesus' name. Bring healing, bring courage to expose what has been damaged. Bring courage, bring a humble heart in those who have been um, the betrayer. Bring them to their knees in full repentance, Jesus. Give them a heart that is for you and you alone and wants what you want, Lord. We pray that both spouses would be willing to be engaged in a process of restoration, whatever it takes, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we just ask, Father, that couples would truly be a representing of your love to the world. Help us, Lord. Help us have courage Help us believe again, have hope again, help us forgive, Lord. And we just thank you for the work that you do, Lord, that is one that we cannot do. And so do that work in us, Lord. We pray for any type of betrayal to be exposed and that you would equip and comfort and counsel any type of betrayal that has taken place so that couples know truly how to navigate that. Help us armor up, help us fight this spiritual battle battle that is happening all around us, Lord. We are your church. We are your bride. We are loved by you. And we know that you help us, Lord. And so just do that. Ready us and help us to just rise up to the season that we are in, Lord. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yay! Hey. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm so, so excited, excited to be here. We were just talking guys we're with our friend our friend that you know if you've been with a wife like me shannon garen she was our co-host on the a wife like me podcast mm-hmm. for a good mm-hmm. year right and we, we did so i miss those times <laughs> i know remember the one time my favorite episode if you have not heard this episode i will link it we were we were recording and shannon was peeing oh, yeah. and oh. she's like She's like, wait, are we recording right now? Hello? Didn't she, didn't she make that into like a like, bloopers yes. episode or something? Or did she, you put it in? Yes. <laughs> we kept it on the episode, like right at the beginning. It is by far my favorite episode we have. So I don't even fun. remember what the episode was about, but yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It was so great. 
So, um, yeah. So welcome, Shannon. Thank you for having oh, me. My land. So good to oh, be here. Thank you for being here. I was just, um, yes, I was thanking you before we push record because as you all know, we are in a series on betrayal and infidelity. And I was telling Shannon that this conversation is so important. All of these conversations are so important. However, you know, we've had women who were going to share their story of betrayal or infidelity who, who backed out for their own reasons, right? Maybe them or their husband decided, no, I don't feel comfortable with, you know, our story being made public. Um, and that is okay. However, we have to hear, <laughs> we have to hear other people's stories. We have to see the real hard, ugly truth. And we have to see the result of what is possible. And so I just thank you for being willing to be courage, courageous and brave and sharing with us as a Christian. I want to say that as a Christian woman who has walked through betrayal and infidelity that you are willing to say, you know what? God is able to work amidst that through that. And he is able to restore what has been broken. So <laughs> thank you for being here. Um, why don't you introduce yourself because there are new people here that maybe yeah. aren't familiar. So my name is Shannon Guerin and I have been married to my wonderful husband, John, for it'll be 32 years next year. Yeah. Wow. And I have and you look 32. You look, th this is the other thing I was telling Shannon, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long and I'm just staring at your beautiful face. Or if you're not watching on YouTube, she has, you have to go over to YouTube because she has this beautiful color oh, on her lips you're and this so beautiful sweet. green shirt with her dark hair. Anyway. Continue. Yes. So we got married <laughs> young. Um, so, okay. So I have two daughters. Alex is 20. She'll be 25 next year. And then Avery will be 23 next year. No grandkids yet. No wow. in-law, no son-in-laws yet, but that's my goal. I don't know if it's their goal, but it's my goal. <laughs> that's awesome. And you yeah. are involved in women's ministry at your church. I, I am. I I stepped into leadership at our women on our on our women's team. We call it sisterhood at my church about gosh three maybe four years ago. Um, and I that's I do so I volunteer. It's a volunteer position, and it takes up a lot of my time. And you know, I get to work with women and 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 minister to women and. I love it. I really, really feel like, you know, um, our pastor at our church talks about how when you're, when you're in your sweet spot in ministry, there's just nothing like it. And I really feel like I've found my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I love that so much. I love that. And so Shannon, you have a story of betrayal. Yes. yes. Why don't you talk to us about pre-betrayal? Life, marriage, before betrayal was a part of your story. What did it look like for you? Were you following Jesus? What did your marriage look like? Yeah. So I, Amanda, I have been, I feel like I was born on the church pew. Mm -hmm. um, I, that's all I've ever known. I've, all I've ever known is serving Jesus and, um, you know, going to church and, serving you know in ministry that's really all i've 
I've ever known. And, um, you know, infidelity was something that I never thought I would ever do. And so about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, we moved, my husband got a significant promotion at church. I mean, not at church, on, at his, on his career, he got a significant promotion. And it was really his first significant promotion. And so we moved to Dallas and it was, you know, our girls were young and, you know, we were excited. It was a very exciting time in our life and our family, you know, um, God had just really blessed us. Um, you know, moving to, we'd lived in Oklahoma and moving to Dallas was just, wow, just such an adventure. And, um, we were just excited about it. And, um, it was really hard. It was a really hard, I really wasn't anticipating everything that you have to do when you literally uproot your family, like it, everything changes. And, um, you know, we, John and I, our marriage was your normal marriage. You know, we were busy raising kids. Um, you know, there was nothing off about our marriage. There was no um, red flags going on. It was just your normal, typical marriage. And, but when we moved, it was, a, it was just, it was like, um, a blow. And when I say it was like a blow, it, that doesn't mean that it was necessarily bad. It was just a big change for our family. And, you know, John was in a season of, since he had gotten that promotion, he was, you know, in a season of kind of proving himself, you know, he was in new territory and, um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but he was just busy at work and, you know, I was busy trying to get my girls adjusted, getting, getting our family adjusted. And the door was cracked open and somebody started, you know, paying attention to me and giving me compliments. And it just, it, it was, it started out as an emotional affair and it, it morphed there from there. Hmm. But Amanda, we were, we were, we had a normal marriage hmm. and I was your normal. Like I remember I've, I've told this story so many times before, and I think it's so important. I think it's a really important part of my story, but I remember being at Chick-fil-A with other moms and while our kids were running around back, back when play playgrounds were still a thing inside restaurants. And we, somebody close to us had just had an affair and, you know, we were sitting around the table talking about it. And I remember Amanda saying that, that I would never do that. Mm. I would never do that to my family. And I really, as, as small and tiny as that seems, that, that, insignific that moment, as insignificant as that moment seems, that really gave the enemy room. He was like, ah, we'll see about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's how it started. And, and again, my marriage was, was fine other than just your normal things that marriages go through. I think that's really important to highlight because mm -hmm. so often we can be not on guard because everything seems fine. Everything, there's nothing bad or big 
or were, you know, maybe like you and your husband aren't even that off in marriage. And that's kind of, it's just such a, it's such a almost, um, I don't want to say naive. I'm trying to think of the word, but like we can be off, just off, off guard because it's, we're, 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 we're just in the, in the easy place almost yeah. like we're comfortable, you know, we, like we we're, think that we're good. We think that everything's going to be okay. We think, yeah, I think we're safe. We think we're safe. Yeah. We think yeah. that we are not actually we forget we're in a spiritual battle. That's what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I don't love, but I love that you shared. I love Jesus. We were going to church. We were probably involved in church. Would you say? Because I think too, even people within the church think as long as, and some research does imply this, but as long as people are engaged at their church, all these percentages go down for divorce, for infidelity, for porn addiction, for whatever, right? Which there, there, there is truth there. doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, it's not a safeguard for everything. So thank you for sharing that. And I, you know, you mentioned somebody started giving me compliments and started paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. So looking back, you see a sort of snowball effect and, or how did those compliments attention, how did that slowly morph into something bigger than that? And how did that change how you view John in your marriage? I think that it seemed innocent at first. I think that even though I think in the back of my mind, I knew it wasn't right. It made me feel good. And it just, the, 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 you know, accepting of the compliments just made me feel good. And it, it felt innocent. And I think that was my first mistake. That was my first mistake is not just shutting it down. Hmm. Um, how you know can you give us what would that have looked like do you think like what do you mean shutting it down like when you say i wish i would have that was my first mistake i wish i would have shut it down how what would that if you what would that look like because there are women listening or watching who are engaged in that mm-hmm. process right now that would look like that would look like please don't contact me again That would look like, um, you know, getting off email because mine was through email, getting off email, um, blocking, telling my husband. That's what that would have looked like if I would have shared that with him, which that's a really hard thing. Like that's easier said than done. If I would have just shared with him, John, this person has reached out to me. I makes me feel really good. And I just wanted to let you know. Mm-hmm. I yeah. wish I would have done that. Does that answer your question? It does. And I think that because again, we, you know, affairs don't start in the bedroom, right? They start subtle oh, and yeah. seemingly innocent. And mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And you know, you just said straight up, I, it's hard to do. It's hard to yeah. do to come to your spouse and be honest about something like that. Mm-hmm. I will say probably, would you agree with this? Because it does feel good. So you don't even want them to know. 
because right. you don't want it to stop. There's a part of you, right? Mm-hmm. That's a theme I've heard of like, if you, part of being in a committed adult Christian marriage is, or I would hope any commitment of that type is that you, even though you recognize something maybe feels good or you have a pull towards something, your commitment is bigger your devotion toward Christ is bigger and your spouse is bigger mm-hmm. and you're willing to s- tell them the truth. Even if, even if you know, it's going to change the pleasure that you're getting from X, Y, Z, whatever that might be. It's just, right? that's the hard thing. It though. takes will. Like it just, it's like, it's like if you're trying to cut out sugar and you see a cookie, it's, it's like, no, I'm not going to have that cookie. <laughs> I'm going to have willpower. It's just like, it's like, even though it feels so good, it's like you have to take off the rose-colored lens. It's n- the outcome is not worth it. It's just yeah. not worth it. And so yeah. it's just... Yeah. And the enemy makes you think that it is, right? Oh, take yeah. the bait. Take the hook. Take the mm-hmm. hook. Mm-hmm. How did that change how you saw John? That process, what morphed like for you? I, during, like during that time or after? I would say during, like, because I've seen time and time again, how being engaged in an emotional affair, any type of affair changes how you view your own marriage. Mm -hmm. So, um, I felt like that the grass was greener on the other side of the fence and, you know, Satan makes things appear beautiful. Like, you know, we, you know, I think that we, when we envision, when we think about what Satan looks like, we think that he is just looks awful and he is red and he has horns and it carries a pitchfork when I don't believe that. I think that Satan is beautiful Mm. and he makes things, he makes things that are not beautiful appear beautiful. And so, Um, I just, I think I felt like that the grass was greener on the other side of the fence. Um, John's love language is not words of affirmation. His love language is, um, quality time. Um, he, he shows me how he feels about me by he, he's, it's just not words of affirmation. And so this person gave me words of affirmation and, Mm -hmm. Um, it felt good. And I felt like, oh, well, John really isn't really good at, you know, giving me words of affirmation. Like, um, this person gives me word, like, oh, this person, it, maybe it's God's will for me to be with this person. And it was just like the devil. Once I, once I stepped over into that, um, betrayal and that, um, deceit, um, Satan had my mind and, um, I began to listen to the lies and believe them. Wow. Yeah. He's really I'm, good at that. I'm just taking notes. Um, and so if I'm hearing you correctly, the way you saw John change from what was once before all of this, like, he was great. It was, he's your husband. He's amazing. He's the father of your kids. Like things are good. He just got this promotion. We're in this new community. Oh, blah, blah, blah. 
hit change the way you saw him then from like, he's maybe not even the one for me. Someone yeah. else, like he can't ever love me or treat me or make me feel yeah. like this other guy can. Mm-hmm. And so it made you see John as like, not as appealing, attractive, the one that you even maybe wanted to be with. Right. Would yes. you say looking back, would you say you wanted to fully be with this other man? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important for us to hear too, mm-hmm. because that is, of, I mean, of course, Satan had your mind. I, I mean, yeah. thank you for saying that. Once I stepped mm-hmm. over into the trail, Satan had my mind and I began to listen to the lies and believe them. Yeah. So of course you thought that. Like, mm-hmm. and we have to know that, that that is where he wants us. Like mm-hmm. he is out to destroy any biblical family. Yes. That re- family. The gospel. Yes. Yeah. So of course he's going to get us to want to be exactly where you were. <clears throat> so I, if we can switch gears and talk about the exposure, because this is a big uh, part of anyone who's been walking through infidelity or betrayal. The exposure is a big part of the process. Specifically, I'm referring to whether the betrayer is the one that exposes it or if in some other way it becomes exposed. And depending on how it is exposed can really add or not add to the processing and healing of it all. Can you talk to us about how it was exposed for you and John? So he suspected something was going on and uh, he, uh, he just came out and asked me and I s- said, yes. He said, are you having an affair? And I said, yes, I am. And I just want to say that you know, I believe that there are some instances that, you know, the, the victim is totally blindsided and has no clue. Oh my gosh. Like, but I, but then I also think that, I don't know, I don't know if there are statistics or if this is even right, but I would say eight times out of 10, you know. You're just in denial. You know that your spouse, there's something off. There's something you know, but you're in denial. And I think that he knew for, um, I don't know. I, I would say, I, I think he knew for weeks, mm. but he was in denial. And he asked me and I just said, yep. Or what's unique about your story, Shannon, is so many times wives or husbands are suspicious and they do ask they do even see some some inklings or proof of it, but the other spouses, um, yeah. they are denying that there is anything mm-hmm. going on and they're gaslighting mm-hmm. the spouse, right? Saying yeah. like, you're yeah. crazy or you're, you're just being whatever. Um, so yeah. then it makes the spouse question, well, oh, maybe I am just insecure. Maybe I am just mm-hmm. being controlling or whatever, you know? Um, so I, I, there's good reason for many spouses mm-hmm. to be in denial too, yeah. because they've, they've actually yes. questioned their suspicion and their spouse has made them feel bad for asking and denied it. So I, 
I am grateful that you're, that's ideal, right? A spouse like questions yeah. and you are honest. That's, that's, mm-hmm. I would say rare in my mm-hmm. experience of working with so many couples. So, yeah. So that's good that he heard right from you. Um, how then, what did it look like after that? After you were honest? Um, gosh, Amanda. Um, it was hell. Um, because I was ready to leave, Amanda. I was ready. I was ready to go be with this other man. And, um, you know, John should have kicked me out, but he didn't. It, it was a very, really special, um, not special, but just a unique circumstance because we were actually on vacation when everything went down. And, um, my girls, we were on vacation. So John was, John was off work and this happened like in the middle of our vacation. And so we came home and the girls went to stay with some friends and we had like, I, I, I say this very carefully because I don't want it to appear that our marriage got fixed in three days and then everything was great. But we had those three days, three or four days when it was just us right after that initial explosion. And um, I, you know, I was so, oh my gosh, like thinking back, I just want to cry because I was so, Satan just had such a hold over me. And when everything came to light, it was just like, a blanket of sorrow. Like I had a blanket of sorrow overtake me. And I was thinking like, literally what in the hell am I doing? Like, I'm not saying that as a, like literally what in the hell am I doing? What am I doing? And even during that time, I still, part of me still wanted to go and be with this other man, but then there was this, it was like this pull, like I I was being pulled in this other direction. I don't want to leave my family. What am I doing? I love my husband. Like it was just like, it was like an inner battle of good and evil. Yeah. And John just really like, um, this is one of the, I think this is one of the most beautiful parts of our story is I remember sitting on the couch we were sitting on the couch talking about things and um, he, I was, he was just, you know, my husband is the type of person that if you wrong him, he's done like done. And so, but he, what he didn't kick me like it's normal. He would normally, the, the man I knew would have kicked me out, but he didn't kick me out. He was just, being very patient and tender with me, which is not his personality. Mm. So it's total, totally a God thing. But I asked him, I said, why are you being so tender? This is not who you are. Like, why are you treating me this way? And I remember him, like, he starts crying. Like, he starts sobbing. He's bent over because he's sobbing so much. And he looks up to me and he says, Shannon, I, because I love you. And that was the first, like, 
it was such a special moment for my in my entire life of ever being born because I literally saw the face of Jesus letting me know I died for you. Like I, this is how much I love you. I love you. I did. I died for you. And it was just such a beautiful moment. Um, and I think that both of us knew in that, in that moment, we're going to, we're going to work on this. We're going to work. We're going to work through this. Mm. Um, so I'm not saying that, you know, that was just our experience. You know, I think it, it it's a unique situation. You know, it's, it's very individual when couples go through this, like sometimes the spouse just needs to be kicked out. Like, mm. so I'm not saying, I'm, I don't, I want to be clear to your, your listeners that if, if um, the victim is listening and they're like, Oh, I shouldn't kick him. Like it's very individual, Amanda. And I'm not a therapist. You're, you are like, you're trained in that. So I'm, I just want to be clear that that's not what I'm, that was my specific situation. And so, but it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm. And it didn't mean that our marriage like, you know, everything was just great unicorns afterwards. No, the hardest part for us, the hardest part for us was saying yes to working on our marriage. That was, it would have been so much easier just to give up. Yep. 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 Um, here's a question for you. I'm just taking a note before I forget to give up. Um, one of the things that when I meet with those who have been betrayed in their marriage, one of the, a hard part for them, obviously, oftentimes is watching their spouse, the, the betrayer, walk through their own process of grieving the mm-hmm. loss mm-hmm. of the other relationship. Mm-hmm. What can you just speak honestly? to those listening who have been on on the side they are the betrayed can you give them an honest look and maybe just a reality of what it's like to be the spouse who's grieving that or like because you have to do that on your own time like mm-hmm. what what i often like what we want to do when there's been a betrayal is we want the betrayer to immediately like fully cut off, which they should cut off in communication and all these other things. Absolutely. But their emotion, their mind has been stuck on that other person, right? Like there's a process of dying, like letting that relation finally, like closing the door to that. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you can speak to that or not, but there, there has to be, and I think this is what is important too for people who've been betrayed. If the betrayer is not willing to fully close that door, there cannot be. I just was talking this, mm-hmm. this, um, a couple of weeks back when we opened this series up, I talked about that, that we cannot fully repair in marriage and restore in marriage if both parties are not willing to acknowledge and repent and turn from what has happened. 
And mm-hmm. so when there has not been, if there is not a willing spouse who is closing every door and even just in the process of that, like even if they're not, if their heart has not fully like grieved that loss of relationship, which sounds terrible, but it is very real. Um, it's just where a marriage will not be able to fully repair. Right. But what can like, what, I don't know if you want to say anything to all that I just said. Well, I, I think that yes, there, the, the betrayer when they have, you know, chosen to, to, I hate this kind of word, these, this verbiage, but chosen to, I guess, stay with their spouse, if their spouse will allow them to stay. Um, there it's hard. It, it, there is a period of mourning and it's like, you have to turn your heart off and use your head and cut it off, like cut it off. Um, even when your heart is sick, cause your heart is failing you. Like your heart in that, in that moment is completely failing you because that's not what God's will is for your life. That's not um, hope for your future. It's, it's just not, no matter how we feel, how our heart feels at that moment, we have to use our head, <laughs> turn off the heart and cut it off. Even when you're, you're, you're mourning that it's just, just doing it, just cutting it off. And I, I remember um, a couple years ago, I was walking with a friend through this and she had had an affair with somebody at her work. And I said, I'll just call her Susie. I said, Susie, you need to work somewhere else. Like you need to quit and go work somewhere else. So it's just like, it's a, it's serious. Like it's, you can't just say, oh, it's, you know, I'll just cut it off. And you have to take every avenue if you're employed with this person to go work somewhere else. Um, Work in a different department, work in a place where you're never going to see this person. Like if, if you happen to go to church together, well, you're probably going to need to go find another church. Mm-hmm. Um, so did that, did that speak into what you were saying? Did that yeah, answer yeah. your? Yeah. And yes. And I'm, I'm thinking about the spouses who many spouses I, you know, uh, sit across from have the situation that's different than your and yours and John's where the exposure was not the betrayer's choice. So the, the, the betrayal or infidelity came to light, not on the betrayer's part. So for some reason it's come into the light and they weren't ready for that to Mm -hmm. come into the light. And so oftentimes the betrayer has to come to reality and yeah. and like you said have they have that internal battle they weren't ready for it they weren't they weren't in, you know anticipating that and now they're having to go through this process that they didn't even want to go through of of that pull and deciding what is reality here what is what is true what is what is what has been lies and you know all of that yeah. and so i guess yes you answered the question and also just you know be aware that if it is you listening, watching right now, if you are the one that is engaged in this process, you can, you can bypass the hard of do not wait to let this come into the light in some odd 
fashion on some other, it's going to come into the light. Number one, I think too, that that's a lie I hear often is that we can just keep on going in this forever, possibly. And there's going to be some fairy tale ending to all of this, you know, and every time I've not seen one ever where that is the case, Mm -hmm. where it turns out just magically beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are listening and watching and be like, there's something that I have been hiding. There's something that I've been keeping in the dark. I, I, we, we are, we are pleading with you to seek the face of God in that yeah. and come decide to repent and confess mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. turn and do whatever it's t- going to take to repair and restore and pray that your spouse is willing to welcome that process with you. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you, Shannon, about boundaries. What um, you you mentioned a little bit that you know had you had you wish you would have just cut it off right away, right? Like you received some compliments, you received some attention. You wish if I would have just cut it off right then and there, we, you know, we wouldn't have had this a part of our story. What boundaries, looking back, did you not have, and do you have now? Um, I, well, I, I mentioned it before, like, I just felt like that I was immune to ever doing anything like this. Like, you know, the Bible tells us to, to, to watch out, but in first Peter five, five, eight, Peter tells us like the devil is like a lion. He compares him to a lion who is looking around, seeking to seeking for someone that he can devour. And we have to be on guard. Like that is a huge boundary that you can have. Like be on guard. You're not perfect. You're human. You have weaknesses. Um, you have temptations. We all, we all have temptations. We all struggle with temptations. Like who doesn't like for somebody to tell them that they, oh, you look beautiful. I've always thought you were beautiful. Like who doesn't like that? So it's, it's having those boundaries of knowing that the enemy is out to get you and he will, if you let him. And then just being open, like um, a, a huge red flag. I've shared this so many times with people. If your spouse is trying to hide their phone from you, if they're, if, if they, if they have a passcode on their phone and they, and you do not have the passcode, that is a huge red flag. I don't care what excuse they give you. There is something that, that they're hiding from you. If yeah. you can't, if they're closing their computer every time you walk into a room, if you can't get into their email, I don't care if it's work related or not. Like that is a huge, huge boundary um, that needs to be in place is, is, is first of all, you know, you're a team with your spouse. You're a team. You know everything about each other. Um, so, I mean, that, that's it. Yeah. Yes. Access to yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. So, um, did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, yes, thank you for that. And you met, you also mentioned even after the fact, okay, now this has come into the light. Well, now what is it going to look like? You said, you know, if you go to the same church, going to different church, like cutting. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say too, oftentimes if your spouse, the one who has been the betrayer, if they are not willing to do whatever it takes and cut off, you know, 
hey, this is going to look like not ever going to that place again, changing jobs, changing churches, changing schools, whatever that looks like for your family, Mm -hmm. moving. that's a big problem as well. That's a huge red flag. Go to counseling. Mm-hmm. If they won't go, you go. Um, mm-hmm. Huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Not okay. That, that's, I would argue um, they are not fully repentant if they are not willing to do whatever it takes and do whatever it, it, makes yes, you feel 100%. comfortable. 100%. And, yes. and do whatever makes you, because again, just talked about this on the, the very first episode of this series. The, there has to be a full honest, consistent change in behavior. And anytime there's been a betrayal, there's been a breach of trust. And so for trust to be rebuilt, it it takes time and consistent change behavior. And if the betrayer is not willing to engage in that process of consistent change behavior, there will not be trust that is rebuilt and intimacy Mm -hmm. is trust. And so you can't have a, a marriage without trust. You really can't. There's been a breach. It's going to take time and proven change behavior over time to rebuild that trust. And if they're not willing to do whatever it takes to rebuild trust, they're not fully invested in the marriage and and they're not willing to do whatever it takes. It's a hard fact to face, but oftentimes I see that. And sometimes they just need to be told what it is we're saying right now. Yeah. Um, And the betrayed needs to hear what we're saying right now too, because oftentimes I was thinking, oh, is it just me? You know, maybe the spouse is still gaslighting them and making them feel like yeah. they're just being insecure or whatever. And that is yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um, most times. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I talk a little bit about that too, first episode of the series. So, um, so thank you for that. Boundaries. Um, how about this, Shannon? Anyone watching, listening right now? Because also... Infidelity for you, Shannon, just to be clear, looked like an emotional affair, correct? Yes. Oftentimes I hear from either the wife or the husband, we didn't have an affair. It wasn't physical, right? Mm -hmm. Even though here in a wife like me, we talk about all the time, an affair can look like many things. Any, Mm -hmm. Any step outside of the marriage your affection, your heart's affection mm-hmm. turned towards someone else. There's infidelity there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh man, we talk, you're going to hear an amazing uh, episode about <clears throat> fidelity and what that looks like. And so um, anyway, yes. Oh man, it's just a really eye-opening conversation. But um, so when we say, an emotional affair is an affair. Any type of, I guess, what do you want to say to that? And then what do you want to, for, I'll let you start with that. I would argue that anybody that says, oh, well, it was just an emotional affair, like it was no big deal. I would argue that an emotional affair is worse than a physical affair. affair. Agreed. It's yeah. just, uh, because your heart's involved. And, you know, what I said before, like, we think we need to follow our heart. You know, that's not what the Bible says. That's not in the Bible to follow our heart. Um, so, yeah, I, I, emotional fear is much worse. Yeah. And I think the enemy wants you to think that just because nothing physical has happened, you don't need to share it with your spouse. It's okay. You don't, yes. Yep. yep. And 100%. Yes. And so 
1000% don't listen to that. That is junk. It is an affair and it is wrong and it is never mm-hmm. okay. Never. Um, no matter what is going on in your marriage, also an affair is never okay. There's yeah, no there, there is never there is never a scenario that's okay with us sharing our heart and personal things with a member of somebody that's not our husband and the opposite sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's never a scenario where that's okay. Yeah. It's just too dangerous. Yeah. Shannon, speak to the woman or man listening or watching who is flirting with the idea of stepping outside of her marriage, flirting with the idea of being with someone else or who already has crossed that line? Well, when it comes to this, I'm pretty hardcore. (laughs) Cut it off. Like it's just not worth it. Um, The pain that comes along with that, um, that, no matter what your heart is telling you, cut it off. It's not, it's like, it's just like I said before, like Satan parades around, like he's just beautiful. Like he makes things look beautiful and they're not. Um, and so I would just say bluntly and to the point, you got to cut it off. Like yeah. I don't know what else, like cut it off. It's just not worth it. Yeah. I think it, I'm sensing that people listening or watching are, thinking, I don't want to. And I know my heart is wrong. I know that I shouldn't be doing this. I know that I, you know, my husband is the one that I should be with. And I want to say to you, no matter how you feel about your husband or this other, or this, your wife or this other person, get on your face before God and, and seek to honor God. Because if your heart is actually wanting jesus and wants to honor him and wants what he wants he's going to take care of this for you you're going to want to do the right thing seek the lord yeah like seek the lord turn everything off for a couple days a week or something and just seek him and see what he Mm -hmm. says about it and you're gonna you're gonna want what he wants because sometimes i think our flesh and i've seen this our flesh is so strong that we don't we don't want to cut it off. I hear what you're saying, Shannon. I know I should do that, Shannon, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to because it does feel so good. And I do think I'm supposed to be with this other person. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to do it, you know? Yeah, that scripture that says, um, if we delight ourselves when he, with him, he'll give us the desires of our hearts. We have to do the, we have to act on delighting ourselves with him. So even though the desire of our heart at the moment might be, this other person that's not our spouse, if we will do what you say, get on our face before the Lord and say, God, even if it's just simple words like, God, change my heart, like, like change my heart. Give me the desire, give me the desires that you want for my life. Like, um, let me delight myself in you, Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart And if your desire at the present moment is that other person, he will change that desire into your spouse for your spouse. I like, I totally 100% believe that, but we have to act 
we have to delight ourselves in him. Yeah. 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 So that's good, Shannon. I'm, oh, um, would you pray for anyone watching, listening right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. First of all, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for loving us when we are not lovable, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your res- restoration, God. Lord, forever, whoever's watching this, God, no matter what they're going through, no matter if, um, Lord, they've been betrayed or they have betrayed or they're flirting with the idea of betraying God, I just ask, Lord, that you rest upon their soul. Lord, I ask that you let them feel your presence. Let them feel your arms around them, God. I ask that you whisper, just whisper in their ear, God, how much you love them. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you convict their hearts. I ask that you remind them of who they are. Remind them that they are God's child, that they are yours, Lord. Remind them how much you love them, Jesus. Lord, remind them what you did on the cross for them, Lord. And I just thank you for your presence here right now. I thank you for your redemption that's always available to us, God, no matter what. I thank you for your restoration that's always available to us, no matter what, God. I thank you so much, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, God. Oh, you know, we didn't even talk about you and John today. You're doing well. You're happy. Your girls are good. Your family is together and strong. And yeah, you know, Amanda, just talking very briefly about restoration, because I know our time is up. Restoration for John and I took a really long time. I don't, I, I really don't want your, your um, audience just to think that it was just a one and done thing. And it, it took years for us to be fully restored, but it took a lot of work. And on both of our parts, yeah. it took a lot of work to get to where we are today. But yeah. God is faithful. Yeah. And he is true and he is just and he yeah. is. Oh, my goodness. The Lord is so is such a treasure for us. Um, and just such a gift. He's faithful. The Lord is faithful. Yeah, I will. Behind the scenes, a lot of my week is spent just like this, like I said, with couples who are in crisis and a majority, most of them have a type of betrayal that they're working through. And so many times couples never come to this place of sitting in front of me. They call it quits. They decide to go with that other person or whatever that looks like. And so I don't get to meet with those couples but I hear the stories every day, right? Um, many wives here probably listening or watching are those wives, some of them who wish that they had a story like yours and John's. Um, however, the, the couples that do come that are fighting and are navigating the healing process and the process of repair, there's just such beauty 
in what mm-hmm. God does there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is possible and it just requires honesty and humility mm-hmm. and seeking the Lord and the Lord will show up and do what only he can do. Um, well, and even Amanda, for the, for those that, that their marriage that didn't get restored, like God yeah. still has restoration for them. Yeah. God knows, he knows the plans he has for them yes. to, yes. to give them a hope and a future. Yes. And so there is restoration available for every single person, no matter what. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. Oh, and I just, again, want to thank you, Shannon. Here's what's so hard about this topic. And my heart breaks uh, is so many men and women have a story, but they don't want to share it. You know, they don't feel comfortable. Sorry, I, I should have, I should have had a Kleenex, but um, they don't feel comfortable. You know, they live in a small community. They're yeah. whatever, right? Um, it's, yeah. Yep. The shame, mm-hmm. the judgment, the changes, mm-hmm. the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yet we have to hear stories like yours because they're powerful. They're real. They're challenging, convicting, they're sobering. And um, we, we have to wake up. We have oh, yeah. to wake up. Yeah. The, uh, we, I, I, when you were talking earlier, I was thinking of basketball because we're in that season right now and like playing defense versus offense, like defense, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you're not ready for it. And they're coming down the court strong and you don't even know what kind of play, where they're going to go. And there's a screen set and you're like, whoa, what was that? And you know, oh, like yeah. all these things, it's going so fast. And, but when you're on the offense, you are ready to take control of the court and you know where you're going, who's moving where, what's going to go on. And you are Mm -hmm. ready to dominate on that side of the court. And so it's like, ladies, we have got to not be complacent in this. This is a spiritual battle. You, like you said, I can't even remember how you said it, but the enemy will destroy you if you allow him. And so we, we, it's not, it's not difficult. We see in Ephesians how we are to stand strong in him. But we just get comfy and cozy yeah. and thinking everything is fine. And Mm-mm. so, oh, just, just every, yeah. Amanda, every day I walk, we live on 13 anchors and every day. Well, if I say every day, I'd be lying every, almost every day that I can. I walk around my property and I pray and I pray Ephesians five, the armor of God. Yes. I proclaim that over my husband, over my marriage, over my girls. And I pray that every day because you're that's such a great analogy. When we are on the offense, uh uh-uh, ain't nothing coming through. Yeah. And it's so important that we do that every single day. Like pray that every single day and stand firm. Have yeah. that firm foundation and um be on guard. Like yeah. it, it's a war zone out there. Yes. Like it's a war zone and we might be sitting pretty in our homes and, and, you know, having, you know, cute clothes to put on and like makeup and little hats and, you know, the Ugg slippers and all that cute stuff, but it's a war zone out there yeah. and we have to face that and fight yeah. against it. Yeah. Like the, like, like the Bible instructs us to, it's right there for us. Yep. Yes. So open your Bibles, girls. And yes again get after it yes oh thank you shannon so much 
I love you. We love you. And we adore your willingness to share. And thank you, John, for being willing. You, you've shared at your church. He is like, mm-hmm. hey, if this can help another couple, absolutely. And I just thank you both for that. I, I know and I can feel just that women needed this and or men. And um, just thank you. Well, we thank love you, you for Shannon. having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everything is linked. Shannon's linked. Um, the what the scripture that we talked, scriptures that we referenced are, are down below. Um, and man, just if you have a story, if you there's anything, any way we can be praying for you, please let us know. If you need a Bible, let us know. Just comment below on YouTube or Facebook or email email us at info at a wife like me.com. We'll get you a Bible. Um, we love you. We love you all. So yes. thank you for being thank with you. us. Bye-bye.